Stop what you're doing because you do not want to miss this episode. I interview the one and only Isabel Foxen-Duke. We chat about why as long as you have judgment or shame about a right or wrong way to eat, you are doomed to fail. Why when our motivation is driven by our desire to lose weight, shit gets very complicated. Thin privilege, what it is and how it holds up the body acceptance movement, how to really join and take action for the cultural body acceptance revolution, and everything you need to know about Isabel's free video training series, Stop Fighting Food, that launches on Tuesday, September 16th, which is amazing. Plus, so much more meaty stuff that you seriously, seriously do not want to miss. Before we get started, I just want to remind you that you can grab my free guide to rocking your bod at summerthenutritionist.com or summerinanin.com, uh, and that'll give you 10 missions to get you started to break free of the diet mentality and love your body today. All right, let's get started with this episode. Rebel Radio, baby! I am your host, Summer Inanin, a certified nutritional practitioner, diet rebel, and food lover on a mission to help you feel hot damn fearless in your body. Fearless Rebel Radio is here to empower you to defy the standards and break the rules in order to radiate confidence, relish in your uniqueness, and live life fearlessly on your own terms. Every episode, I will help you to do this by sharing practical advice not-so-PG-rated rants and interviews with fearless rebel guests. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? I am beyond excited for today's guest. She has inspired me so much, and I have honestly been anticipating this episode for months. Today's fearless, re- fearless rebel guest is Isabel Foxen Duke. Isabel Foxen Duke is a certified health coach and emotional eating expert. She helps women make peace with their bodies so they can stop obsessing about food and get back to living awesome lives. Huh, that may sound familiar to you. Her areas of expertise include binge eating, emotional eating, and chronic unsuccessful dieting. After years of trying to overcome emotional eating through traditional and alternative approaches, Isabel discovered some radical new ways to get women over their food issues once and for all. Isabel has been featured in the Huffington Post, Elle Magazine, Exo Jane, and has been praised by Ricky Lake. She is changing the way women think about food and their bodies from the ground up, not just by shifting the mindsets of individuals, but by creating a greater cultural revolution. I love that. Her writing and free guide, How to Not Eat Cake, can be found at isabelfoxenduke.com, which I will link to in the show notes. But I am so excited to have Isabel here today because, uh, you know, if you know me and you just heard her bio, we obviously have a lot of the same philosophies and ideals, and she is one of my favorite people to follow. So I'm super excited to have her here and have you get to know her too. So welcome to the show, Isabel. Thank you, Summer. I am so pumped to be here. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> so before we get started, I, I always, you know, I love our listeners to know a little bit more about you. So do you want to just kind of talk to us about, I guess, you know, your story and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, totally. I mean, so, you know, I, I 
like I even just mentioned to you kind of off off radio, um, you know, I grew up in a really intense diet culture, really, really just sort of aggressive focus on the body all of the time. Um, you know, most of the people who listen to me and read my stuff on a regular basis have heard the story of how, you know, my doctor put me on my first diet when I was three. Um, and, you know, it's just been kind of, it was always an obsession. My weight was always an obsession, you know, throughout most of my childhood. And obviously, therefore, dieting was also an obsession throughout most of my childhood. Um, and, it, you know, very quickly after I started, you know, screwing around with all these diets, you know, inevitably, right, like the binge eating comes eventually. You know, I think that there's actually, there's actually been some clinical studies. I know Linda Bacon in particular has done a lot of, um, you know, working around this and learning about this, about the idea that the more you diet, the less capable you are of actually being able to sustain or maintain a diet, like mm -hmm. just from like a biological perspective. So it's like I used to be able to go a month to sticking to a diet. And then it was like down to two weeks and then it was down to one week. And then it was like I couldn't go a day sticking to a diet before I like completely fell off the wagon and like lost my shit with food. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, when I say lose my shit, I mean like knee deep in like in the cabinets, like eating condiments with spoons out of the containers, like frantically rummaging through the cabinets, like just eating everything that isn't nailed down. Like that was my story. I was a diet binger for yeah. most of my life. Um, I think at some point, like, you know, at some point al along my story, part of my story is that I, you know, was like, oh my God, I'm so desperate to be thin. And, you know, I couldn't figure out how to not, you know, I couldn't figure out how to control myself around food, right? That was my big thing as I couldn't figure out how to control myself. If only I could stick to my diet. Um, so I was like using like stimulant, uh, stimulants to control my weight. Like, like I kind of like, just like decided like, oh, like I'm just going to like eat Adderall and like that will be great. And then I won't want food and I'll just like have something else to focus on. And, yeah. uh, that eventually landed me in some treatment, you know, like that eventually landed me. That was when people were like, mm, Isabel, <laughs> like maybe you should like talk to somebody about this. So anyway, so I actually, you know, I, I was in, um, I, uh, you know, saw like every therapist under the sun. I was in, you know, clinical treatment for binge eating disorder at the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there, I just, it was just a, it was a very long journey where there was a lot of information that was not necessarily super helpful to me. I remember at one point I was in therapy and I, um, therapy was super helpful in the, in the very beginning. And then at some point it was like, okay, like, at some point I was, got the message, go to Overeaters Anonymous. And that's just where you can kind of like live your life, managing your food for the rest of your life through this 12 step program. And, um, in a way, so like the idea, you know, I was on a meal plan, basically I was on the, the whole idea was kind of like, again, teaching people how to control themselves around food, like teaching people how to just stick to their diet was kind of the idea. And I could never do it, right? Like I could never get time, as they say, in a way, I could never get time. I always ended up binge eating eventually. Like I would stick to my meal plan, which was just a different version of a diet, but it was like the politically correct way to say diet. <laughs> yeah. And then I would, I couldn't, there was like, I just, I didn't have the willpower in me. I just couldn't stick to it. I was working through all of my emotional stuff. I would like, you know, I mean, I'd done so much emotional work and so much spiritual psychology. And, you know, I felt like a very, um, you know, such an enlightened person relative to everyone else. You know, I was really up on my, my self-help high horse. 
except for the fact that I couldn't stop fucking binging, yeah. you know? So, um, anyway, eventually as one does, I thank God some, you know, was introduced to like the concept of intuitive eating and Janine Roth and some other really great writers talking about intuitive eating. Um, most of whom were talking about intuitive eating for weight loss, which was really attractive to me because I was like, I just want the answer to being thin right now. Yes. And learning that, you know, like, oh, like I can listen to my body. Like, oh, my body's giving me information, you know. So that really helped me get over. Um, that helped me stop thinking of foods as good and bad, which I think is like, you know, a really important step in this process, right? Is like, legalizing foods and not thinking of food like food is good and bad is a big part of ending the of is like step one in my opinion I think that's sort of like step one of ending sort of the binge eating stuff is like not having illegal foods yeah I actually did a podcast on that podcast number two for those of you wondering <laughs> yeah yeah um so that was huge but I was still binge eating um because I was what I, I still was approaching intuitive eating like a diet. Like at some point it was like, I would beat myself up if I would eat when I wasn't hungry. I would beat myself up for quote unquote emotional eating. Mm -hmm. And that ended up backfiring, right? Like that ended up binge eating. And what I realized that was really sort of like the beginning of what I do today. That was really when I started to have these realizations around what I now teach, which is oh, it's not about intuitive eating versus being on a meal plan versus this versus that. Like that was sort of like, it's not OA versus therapy versus whatever. Like it's, it's this idea that as long as I'm shaming and judging myself and have this idea that there's a way to eat that's right and a way to eat that's wrong, regardless of what that right or wrong way is, it's kind of doomed to fail from the beginning. Because there's an element of, like, I am not in control of what I eat. Like, I am going to slip, in quotes. Like, I am going to eat. I am going, I can't stick to anything. Like, that's the whole point. <laughs> so, like, why am I even trying? You know, like, yeah. what if I actually just wasn't on a, a, a wagon to begin with? Um, as I say, you know, you can only fall off the wagon if you're on a wagon to begin with. So it became this whole thing where I, I, you know, I started to realize like, oh, it's not the strategy. It's not, it's not the, um, intuitive eating versus the diet versus the meal plan versus this. It's like, you can approach anything like a diet. If you're thinking about food is like diet mentality thinking, right? Like if you think about food, like it's something that can either, if you're good at it, if you were good that day, then you're a good person. If you were bad at it that day, then you're a bad person. Like if what you're eating is like dictating your self-esteem on a day-to-day -day basis. Like it's only a matter of time before you're going to fall off that wagon and your self-esteem will come crumbling with it. And that's when we fall into binge eating, in my opinion, is like when our self-esteem is crushed by something we ate. Like, oh, I ate a cupcake when I wasn't hungry. I suck. I'm going to go have like three boxes of Nilla wafers to make myself feel better. Or because tomorrow I promise I'm only going to eat when I'm hungry. You know, so it was like very... Um, I just started like something clicked and that's sort of like what I'm really trying to do in the world right now is like something clicked where I realized it wasn't about intuitive eating versus the meal plan. It was about like not hating myself around food and like not having, um, not having to be 
any certain way around food, just like letting things sort of be as they are. And when I started living from that place, when I basically just said like, fuck this, like I'm just gonna, I'm not in control. I give up, I surrender. I let my food be what it's gonna be. I let it be whatever it's gonna be. Like if I eat a cupcake when I'm not hungry, I eat a cupcake when I'm not hungry. If I eat an entire jar of Nutella, like whatever, it's all okay. When I like finally got into the mindset of like, it's all okay. Like, I'm not going to let what I eat dis- determine how I get to feel in a given moment. What ended up happening is my food just became normal, like magically. Like, it was just like, oh my God. It was like, it, it lost its power. Like, if I don't yeah. give a shit about food, food has no power. Like, if you decide you don't give a fuck about what you're eating, it has no power. It ceases, like, who cares? It doesn't matter. It, it becomes irrelevant in your mind. Yeah, totally. So that's sort of, you know, that's my, uh, that's my mission, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's really comes back to relieving the shame and the guilt around food choices. And specifically, you know, you mentioned, you know, when your self-esteem is dictated by your, you know, your food choices. And I think it's not just food either. It's, it's exercise as well. I see this you know, in, in the same, in the same light. And so, you know, where, where does, where does the, the, the root of the work come from? You know, like, is it from then, okay, let's shift this and, and, and really start working at it from like an internal self-esteem, uh, perspective. Is that like, is that kind of what you're, what, what you're saying here? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes and no. I mean, it's, it's interesting because like on the one hand, I think that I had, I always thought of myself as a person who had like pretty good self-esteem about everything except for my body and food. Mm -hmm. And that's because I had made the decision that there was a right way to eat and a wrong way to eat. And because I had made that decision that there was a right way and a wrong way to eat, if I didn't eat the right way, I sucked around food. So like, in my opinion, it's like, you know, there's, and again, this ties into body image, which we'll like get into, I'm sure in a moment, (laughs) but, but the idea is like, I'm not sure that like, you know, that I think that this is a problem that anyone can fall into if they make that decision that there's a right way and a wrong way to eat. I don't think you need to be like a fucked up person or have like, you know, like childhood insecurity issues. Like I had a really healthy, happy childhood. I think of myself as somebody who's very mentally, I was very like mentally healthful in like pretty much like all areas of my life, except for the fact that I couldn't stick to the right way of eating, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's, I think that that's just sort of like a, for me, just a, it's a clear, it's not that there's not, I think that there's not something wrong with a person because they can't stick to a right way of eating. I think the problem is that we as a culture have decided everyone seems to have the right way of eating. Mm-hmm. And that's become like the new religion is like, there's the right way to eating. And if you're not doing it, you're like doing something morally wrong. Yeah. And so with, with that, you know, let's tie that, let's then tie that to body image. Like, I think a lot of that comes from this need to, uh, you know, appear differently because your life is going to be better if you, you know, if you, if you lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's, uh, that, I mean, that's really what we're talking about here is, is coming to the root of it is that a lot of these issues yeah. around food come from, you know, that internal struggle, struggle to like want to, fight against your body and change your body because you don't like the way that it looks. 
Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, like, the only reason anyone has shame and judgment around food is because they're terrified of the quote-unquote consequences of anything they eat, right? Like, in order to do this strategy, right? Like, this strategy of, like, I give up, I surrender, fuck it, right? Like, in order to, like, employ that strategy, you have to get to a point where your sanity around food is more important than being thin. And that's a really scary thing for people because yeah. it's easy. It, I think sometimes it's easy for a woman to say, okay, I really like the idea of not wanting to lose weight anymore. But there is so much fear and resistance around that. Like I think it literally it literally scares the crap out of women. And I'm sure some men yeah. too, but mainly women though. That's what we're talking about yeah. here. Because yep. they think they're going to then, you know, lose that control or it means like settling on kind of hating right. themselves. And there's so much fear around the possibility of gaining weight. And, you know, that, and I think a lot of idea, a lot of women maybe are listening to this and they're like, oh, I you know, that, that idea makes sense. You know, I want to prioritize being sane around food, but they still have that resistance internally. Uh, so, I mean, in- the thing that's funny about that, and I'm just going to, you know, comment quickly on one thing you said is like, I'm afraid I'm going to lose control over food. It's like most of the women I'm talking to, and certainly I fell into this boat. I wasn't in control of food anyway. It's like we're so afraid of losing control over something that we clearly just don't have control over. It's yes. Like, it's like you're pretending that you have control over it now anyway. You don't. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you were running around. I mean, at least for me. Like, I was running around, like, eating Fluffernutter out of containers with a spoon, like, in the middle of the night hoping no one caught me. Like, that is not control. Like, what control am I really giving up? <laughs> yeah. You know? I'm just, I think of it as like, you're just working with the fact that you don't have control over food as opposed to working against it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And whether or not, you know, some people have the similar actions, whether they're actually, you know, like eating shit out of the cupboard and like, you know, draining boxes of cookies, they may not, but they, you know, I think a lot of that control just comes on, is in your head in terms of the way you're thinking about things and judging things as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people think that, like, yeah. I mean, like, people always assume the shit's going to hit the fan if I let myself eat whatever I want, you know, if I, like, wasn't, you know, shaming and judging. I think the vast majority of people do end up eating what they want anyway. You know, I do think that, like, there is um, – I think that, like, control around food is kind of a myth. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really think we have as much control. I mean, like, statistically speaking, like, we definitely don't have as much control over we as we think we do or we wouldn't have this, like, insane statistic where, like, 98% of diets fail. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but ultimately, and then it kind of goes into this whole like sort of other question about, I mean, it's a very complex topic, but this whole other question about like weight set point theory and how much control do you actually even have over your weight? Like there's so many people who are quote unquote doing the right things with food and then just end up at, you know, the weight that they end up at because of their genetics or whatever and think there's something wrong with them. So, you know, there's not, I mean... I, th- I think that as a culture and a society, we think we have far more control over these things in general than we actually have. Um, and in trying to gain control over something that we don't actually have control over, we end up rebelling and we end up uh, shooting ourselves in the foot. Like we end up making the situation far worse, in addition to the fact that we feel, feel completely insane around food. I mean, like, you know, that's just 
the little side note there. Yeah. But so, so like, how does a woman let go of that kind of, 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 of wanting to lose weight, you know? Yeah. Like, like, cause it's, you know, what, what does one do if we were to give somebody like a piece of advice about that? Again, I think it goes back to like how, like, you know, asking, asking ourselves the question, like what is more important than this or sanity? Right. And number two, there is something to be said for like, and this is kind of like a deeper spiritual question, but I choose today to take care of my body in a way that feels right for me. And I choose to think of my body. I choose to feed my body like I would choose feed a child or even like an animal. You know, I don't think of my body as something to be manipulated I don't think of myself as my, of my body as something that I have control over the way it looks or the size or shape that it's going to be. I just want to care for it and love it and be there for it. And whatever shape or size, I trust that whatever shape or size it ends up at is the shape or size it's meant to be. And ultimately, I cannot want that, right? Like I can be angry about the shape or is to force and manipulate and control and be crazy around food. Like yeah. those are choices. Like you have to, I think, I think there's an aspect here where it's like you get to a point where you realize like, what are my actual choices here? Like my actual choices are I can just take care of and love and be gentle with and listen to my body mm-hmm. and let her and, and relinquish the results. Like, right. Like I always say, like, what are you in control of your weight or your behaviors? You know, like, yes. I can only treat my body with love, respect, and kindness and commit to doing what's right by her on a moment-to-moment basis that as she lets me know what she wants and what she needs on a moment-to-moment basis, where she ends up, what she does when I treat her that way is up to her, right? Like, I can't force her into anything unless I want to be a fucking crazy person, you know, like unless I want to be like an abusive slave master, like my body, my body shape and weight and size isn't really up to me. It's not up to my brain. Yeah. The only thing I can do from a, my brain standpoint is just choose to treat my body well. When I'm choosing to treat my body well, when I'm being kind and gentle with my body, my weight, my body is going to do what it's going to do. Yeah, I love it. You know, and ultimately if I'm treating my body well and 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 being kind to my body and treating myself well, it's going to be the weight it's supposed to be. It's going to be the, you know, the way like God if you will or the universe or whatever intended it to be, right? Like by definition, if I'm treating my body well, if I'm making choices for my body that are, you know, loving and gentle and giving her what she wants, the weight she ends up with is going to be the weight that she wants to be, that she's happy at. Yeah. And I think it's really, it's, it's about like giving up that desire to want to change it. And this is where I think a lot of the quote unquote, you know, body acceptance movement, Mm -hmm. um, really makes me fucking angry sometimes because, (laughs) because some health experts are, you know, they're like, you know, love your body and they promote loving your body, but then they still promote changing your body. Um, yeah. And you know, that's implying that there's still this conflict inside conflict inside. Oh yeah. 
Totally. And, yeah. And I think, you know, what we're saying here, what, like, you're, you know, what you're saying here and what we want to be super clear on is that, you know, you, you can't, con- you have to let go of that control of wanting to change your body. Which is, like you said, so going back to your original question of sort of like, how do we do this? The reason that's hard is because of our, is a cultural problem. Yes. The reason that's hard is because there is legitimately privilege like given to thin people and there's legitimate discrimination given to fat people, right? Like that's why it's hard. It's not hard because like we were born with some like weird individual like psychosis where we want to be thin. Like, no, like we were taught this shit. Like it's not your fault that you want to be thin. You're not a bad person that you want to be thin. It is totally like natural, normal, like biological instinct to seek love and acceptance and praise, which is something that as a society and a culture we give to thin people and something we take away from fat people. Mm, Wow. That's That's really good. Yeah. So like, this is not like, that's what pisses me off about a lot of the body image people. Most of the thin women who are in the, who are talking about body image in this space the vast majority of thin women talking about body image and space are not actually talking about the real social issues involved with like fat politics. And that's a huge problem because it's like, we're just like going around telling people to like themselves without actually addressing the real issues going on. Yeah. So talk to me more about that, you know, like how, uh, cause you know, obviously in your bio, you want to create a greater cultural revolution. How can we do that? How can we promote this body acceptance as, you know, as a yeah. culture and make that shift? And maybe cause there's health experts out there, you know, possibly including myself who are like, Oh, maybe I've never really spoken to it from that angle or, you know, how can I start to do that in a better way? Yeah, totally. I mean, that's a really, really good question. Um, so, uh, there's, it's a big question. So number one is, and there's a lot of questions involved in this because the, one of the difficult things about sort of the cultural bias against fat is that the, we have all of these rationalizations why we should believe that fat is inherently bad, right? Like particularly in the medical community and health community and stuff like that, which um, we now have a lot of, you know, that's a whole conversation. Health at every size is like a whole nutshell in and of itself that maybe we'll get into. But the point is, it's like, I think we need to, it's, um, we need to start sort of removing, we all have so many, we all were taught these biases around fat and thinness, Mm -hmm. right? Or we were all taught these, you know, biases around weight in general. And we need to like slowly actually start to address them and pick them apart. So like pick an area Pick a reason why somebody might legitimately say something I always ask my clients is like, tell me legitimately why you think it's wrong to be fat. And I'm not being flippant here. I'm being serious because I know you have them because I had them too, because we were are all taught these things every single day. Yeah, totally. And let's literally go through them and like talk it out. Like, is this true? Like body image work is about challenging your belief systems. Totally. Right? Like in in the 1600s, like racism was just a fact. You know what I mean? Like no one like challenged that shit. Yeah. Right? Like it's like this. It's like any kind of um, any kind of discrimination. Exactly. Any kind of oppression. Yeah. Like any kind of like sort of like cultural oppression. It's like these are just questions. These are just, we just have, assum- we have assumptions that we were taught, we were learned. It's not our, it's not our fault at all that we were taught these, assu- that we were taught these assumptions and taught these biases. But now just like, you know, when I was, had bias awareness day in the sixth grade, 
Let's challenge our assumptions. Let's challenge why do I think this is bad? Why am I afraid of this? And challenge the assumptions. So like big topics for fat activists are going to be things like the health conversation, which I could speak about at length. Um, and there's also amazing great books about it. Uh, things like for women, something that comes up a lot, something that's come up a lot in my personal life is, uh, you know, romantic relationships. Like, well, what do I do? How do I deal with dating? How do I feel comfortable? How do I get comfortable with this size? How do I not want to be thin in a land where men are actively seeking or I feel like they need to be with thin women? Yeah, that's a huge huge one. Huge, huge one. I have a lot to say on that too. So you know what I mean? Like, let's actually, let's not, let's stop talking about loving yourself as like a fairyland, like cloud in the sky concept. And let's actually start talking about the real issues that people are dealing with with body image and start talking about them. Mm-hmm. And that's how we're going to create the cult. That's how we create the cultural revolution is we start actually living our lives in, in line with our values, right? So like one thing that, you know, sometimes the answer is like, for example, with, um, with men, I'll just go into that example. I want you to actually, I really do because I can, like, I know, and I know the listeners cause I know I hear it from my clients. <laughs> so often. So please go into that because I think people are going to really need to hear it. Okay, cool. So um, uh, I've never actually give, spoken about this story in, in public, but I guess I'll just tell it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I remember like it was like, you know, a few years ago, I just remember like, uh, well, I remember I was with a, I was with a, I, I was kind of like hooking up with this guy for lack of a better phrase I'll just like put it like that like yeah we were we were hooking up you know (laughs) use your own imagination yeah exactly but like we weren't dating like we weren't in a relationship like generally speaking like it was like new and it was early and we were friends for a long time before and I was like madly in love with him before this happened and you know really I think it was just like it was an unrequited love situation sort of but it was like very it was complicated by all these factors of like but we were you know such great friends and I know he loves me so much as a person. So of course in my head, I'm like, why the fuck don't you want to be with me? There must be something wrong with me. Like why is we're not together because you just aren't quote unquote attracted to me enough, you know, like that kind of thing. Like why aren't we together? If you love me so much as a friend, it must be about my body. Da, da, da. And I would go around and I really just, I will just say this. I still to this day, I really do think that if I lost 30 pounds, we might be together or like he would be, he would be suddenly interested in me. Like I, when I started taking drugs, you know, and like stimulants and like lost a bunch of weight in college, Mm -hmm. the number of guys who wanted to fuck me went up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's a reality. Like that is a reality, right? Like no one's going to deny, like I think body image activists who deny shit like that are not doing anyone a service because like we know what the fuck is true. (laughs) You know? Yeah, it's true. It is. It's very true. Right. So like, I'm fairly convinced, like, I'm, like, pretty sure. So, like, in my heart of hearts, like, I don't know. He's never said that. But in my heart of hearts, like, I was, like, I just really feel, like, I'm just, like, pretty sure, like, I feel like this is just, like, an like, I know that, like, if I looked the way I looked in college, I'm pretty sure he would have been interested in dating me in college. We knew, you know. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, it makes me feel bad. It makes me feel like, well, if I lost a bunch of weight, we would be together. And I remember I would like tell, I would like cry to my girlfriends about this, my thin girlfriends. And they would be like, oh, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Like if you look different, it wouldn't change a thing. 
And I never really believed them. And that's why I like was never able. And I'd be like, yeah, I guess, you know, yeah, you're right. Like, Meh. He doesn't like my personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then I finally, I got on the phone with a, uh, a friend of mine who's a fat activist. And she was like, she basically said to me, she was like, do you really believe in your heart that like, if you lost 30 pounds, you would be together? And I was like, you know what? Like, I really kind of do. Like, I don't have proof. Like, I might be crazy. But like, I really do kind of feel like if I lost 30 or 40 pounds, like, we would be together. And she was like, she was like, okay, if it's in your intuition, if that's how you feel, then like, let's just take that as fact. Because like, if that's how you feel, like, then that's what we're working with. So let's just honor that. Okay. Mm -hmm. For the sake of argument. And I was like, all right. <laughs> okay. She was like, she was like, okay, so now we're working with a fact, which is that you want to be with this guy and he doesn't want to be with you because you're 30 pounds heavier than, you know, he thinks you should be or whatever. Like, we don't really know if that's true, but like, if it's, if that's how you feel, then it's true enough. Yeah. Right. And she said, now, given these like new facts that we have, do you want to be with somebody who needs you to be 30 pounds lighter than you are? Is that a person you really want to be with? Yeah. Is that in line with your value system? Is that a person you want to have kids with? Some Is people a... might say yes, unfortunately. Right. But that's where the cultural, that's where the cultural shift is happening is in is in changing your value system, right? Mm -hmm. So like my value system right now is a value system of pos body positivity. Yeah. I choose a value system today, right? Like my body positivity today is a value system. Meaning like I put, I've made the personal decision for myself that I will not to the best of my ability judge other people on the basis of size and I choose to spend time with people who love me in my body right now, as it exists right now, no matter what. Also, just to go back for any of those people who are like, yes, I do want to be with a man who wants me to be 30 pounds thinner. Like, again, it goes back to the idea, like, in order for me to be 30 pounds thinner, I would likely have to be a crazy person around food. Yeah. And also, even if I was able to lose that weight, which for me, I'm really not sure is possible. Even if I was able to lose weight and get down to the weight that he wanted me to be, what happens when I get older? What happens when my body changes as I age? What happens when I get pregnant? Do I constantly live in fear that the man I love is going to leave me if I gain weight? Can you imagine how fucked up that would make a person's food? Yeah. How could you not be obsessed with food if you were afraid that your husband or the man you loved or your partner was going to leave you if you gained weight? Yeah. So, I mean, really then comes back to, again, like that your intention to not be obsessed with food must be greater than exactly your need. And I think that comes to like, you know, a need for acceptance from other people. Uh, you know, a need for approval from other people where yeah. versus having your own self-worth and respect mm -hmm. as well. You know, yeah. And it's interesting because it's like, again, it's like this myth of control. It's like this myth of approval and acceptance is just pervasive. Like we think we can control how other people feel about us. We can't. Yeah. Totally. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you could be thin and, like, still not have acceptance. Like, trust me. I mean, I, fat, fat discrimination and thin privilege is real, for sure. But let's also not, like, and, and important, and we need to talk about that. We need to be having cultural conversations about that. 
However, like, let's not delude ourselves into thinking that by controlling our weight, we can control the entire universe. Which I think is what, uh, you know, I think that's what people really have to challenge themselves on is, is really asking yourself, like, why? why? Why do you want to lose this weight? And, and, and keep asking why until you get to the root of it. Because that I, I often, well, at least in my experience, it comes back to a perfectionist tendency to want approval and uh, from others. Yeah, 100%. And, that's yeah. the only re- that's just straight up the only reason why anyone has food issues is because they want to be loved. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, I think that it's really important for people to to like to recognize that, to recognize that. Um, right. <laughs> And I think that's a really big aha for for a lot of people because, you know, I think most people don't take the time to dig into it and they just see it from a very superficial perspective in that, okay, if I lose this weight, then I can date this guy. But they don't look at the deeper meaning behind it, which is like seeking that love. Well, it's also like the idea, and this is another sort of concept for with with within fat activism is like you there will be a man who likes you at your current weight, like fat people get married every day. Mm hmm. Like 60% of the country of the United States is fat and they are all getting, I mean, not all, but like almost, I would say that probably my guess is that the majority of them are getting laid. Yeah. You know, so like that's like a whole nother thing to remember. It's like, again, like I could be crazy and have this guy. I could be crazy around food, forcing and manipulating my being abusive let's just be real being abusive to my body yep that's what it is yeah it's abusive i could be abusive to my body to get this guy over here or i could just look for the man who loves me as i am yeah like wouldn't it like i started to think about it like with the with this uh example that i was giving before i started to think about it and i was like or I could just look for the guy who likes me as I am. Like, he, like, probably exists. Like, fat people get married every day. Yeah. Like, I know there's tons of dudes who are attracted to me. Like, tons of dudes are attracted to me. Why would I abuse my body to get somebody else to be attracted to me? Makes, like, when I really started to think about it, like, made no sense. It's like, why wouldn't I, like choose to be with people who allow me to be myself. Like, I think that's a really big value system. It's like, yeah, like you said, going back to this idea of like, I choose for me today, it is a requirement. It is a requirement that any man I date, like, it's like my number one requirement for men is like, they need to like my body the way it is. Like, if they don't, they're just off the table as an option. They're just not an option. Like, it's just, I'm not interested. I think it's like they need to like your body the way it is, but also with the fluctuations that come with it. Yeah. And loving you despite any body changes that you may have, you know, just like the same way that we're encouraging people to love themselves, whatever, in whatever shape and size that they're given. Totally. Like Virgie Virgie Tovar, who's a really famous fat activist and a friend of mine and and just an all out amazing, awesome badass, said that she had a personal rule that any man, at one point she said to me that basically she had a personal rule that a man not only has to love me the way I am, but I have to have reason to believe that they would be okay if I gained, say, 30 pounds. Exactly. Exactly. 
I think that's so important. Yeah. So, you know, you know, you, you mentioned your value system and being around people who, who like, you know, who like you and, 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 you know, in the body that you have. So I hear this from, from so many women and especially my clients that they have people in their life. And often it's like their mothers or their family members who feed that, you know, who bring them down, who go against that value system, like who step on those values. So, you know, they'll say things to them like, oh, you shouldn't eat that. Or, you know, you, your stomach is looking bigger today. And it's, you know, it's really easy in the context of dating to say, well, I just won't talk to that person again. I'll cut them out of my life. But when it's like your mother or a very close family member, you know, like, how do you deal with that type of situation? So there's a few different ways to deal with it, depending kind of where you are on this journey. And this is definitely a journey. There's like markers of like progress and like markers of just like where you are and what you might need at different points. So like I say, like, you know, when I was, you know, kind of new to all of this, like I actually needed to have conversations with people in my family and be like, I would really like for you to not comment on my weight because like I'm trying to like work through whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like you can actually have those conversations. Now, whether or not people respect those conversations (laughs) or not is not in your control, right? Not in your control. So like that's like plan A. You can have those conversations. The thing about those conversations is that like there's very little – you can do about whether or not people actually respect your, you know, anytime you're laying down a boundary, you can lay down a boundary, but there you have no control over whether or not people respect the boundary. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and I do think there's something we said for at some point, like you're going to be around, let's call it fat phobia, right? Because that's a word that is, I'm comfortable with using. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, you're going to be around like fat phobic people, Forever. I mean, like, that's not going, it doesn't seem to be as much as I want to create the cultural revolution, the cultural revolution is happening. It's not going to go away tomorrow. Like, this is going to be around for a little while. Totally. This is going to take generations probably to, like, eke its way out of the culture. And and fat phobia is going to be something that every single person in the, you know, in the world pretty much is going to be exposed to in different iterations. The issue then just becomes like how you respond and how you react to fat phobia. So in the beginning, I think what's hard for people when they interact with fat phobic comments or fat phobic people or fat phobic magazine articles or literature or whatever, I mean, it's so pervasive, it's everywhere. I think in the beginning, what ends up happening is people get really freaked out because they're like, oh shit, what if they're right? Yeah. When we get upset about a fat phobic comment, it's like when I, like the, we get upset because we're afraid that they're right. Mm-hmm. We get upset because we're still, you know, we're still working through. I mean, there's two types of getting upset, right? Like I get upset in the sense of like I get angry that that's happening. Like I'm like, oh, yes. like it's so annoying that we live in this culture. So there's that type of upset, which probably never goes away. I still get really upset. I mean, this morning I was really upset about just like, oh my god, like I can't stand all of this like bullshit anymore. Like, you know, it's it's upsetting. Once you really get to the other side and like see how fucked up this like you know just like all the like fat discrimination and weight discrimination is like it's it'll make you really angry. And I think anger is actually not a bad phase to go through with this. Yeah. Um, But, you know, at some point, you know, there's some level of like when it triggers us, right? Like when it triggers us into wanting to diet or when it's like the type of upset where it's like triggering us into behavior, it triggers us into behavior because we're still like we're nervous they're right, you know? 
So I think that as we start to become more and more convicted in our beliefs, and as we more and more start to pursue creating a community of people and creating a culture around us that supports our belief system, that starts to that the the how upset we are made by those comments on a personal level starts to diminish although it will always make you angry it doesn't like have that same triggering effect if that makes sense yeah i i can relate to that 110% i think i think it's like cuz i've come out on that other side and so yeah for the longest time when i was exposed to those types of things which i was a lot of um uh, it would drive me into very, you know, like disordered patterns and behavior. Like I'd be like, oh, well then fuck you. I'm going to go like not, you know, cut my calories for a week or whatever. Like that's the way that I would deal with it. But mm-hmm. now it's, uh, you know, yeah, now I, I, it doesn't affect, it doesn't affect my, like, you know, the way I feel about myself. It makes me angry and I notice it and I notice like it's like the rampantness of it in in every aspect, you know, and right. especially like with with uh you know with media and and like social mm-hmm. media and, and whatever. It's just mm-hmm. and and just with everyday life and interacting with people. Like it is right. just it's it's just there. Well you get to a point where you start to see it not as your problem, but as their problem. Mm-hmm. Like you get to a point where you're like Like, if I saw, like, a magazine article, if I saw, you know, like, the Dr. Oz, like, lose your ugly fat or whatever, you know, I would, like, you know, in my head, like, I'm at a point now where, like, at one point in my life, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, my fat's so ugly. I'd make it about me. There's something wrong with me. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm at a point where I'm like, you are such an asshole, right? Like, (laughs) it's your problem, right? So it's about we get to a point as time goes on and we start to really, I think, again, it comes down to really understanding the social politics around weight discrimination and, and kind of, I highly encourage everyone to sort of like research that and get into that. The deeper you get into that work and understanding and sort of education, the more you really get clear, like, oh, this is so not about me. This is so about like all of y'all being fucked up. Yeah. And so, you know, you you say, you know, you encourage us to like, you know, start to really get into the social politics of weight discrimination, but where, Mm -hmm. like, where does someone start with that? Like just for people listening, like where would they go? Yeah. I mean, there's so many. Um, So I'll just name you, I'll just name drop some of my favorite fat activists who are really talking about this on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Um, So Virgie Tovar, who I've already name dropped in this conversation one, she's probably my favorite. She, um, I mean, I just love her to death. I, from a personal standpoint, I love her to death, but you know, she's just this incredibly entertaining, bubbly, just wonderful personality. And she is so effing smart. It's insane. She really knows her shit. Um, and she is like one of the major pioneers on the fat, sort of in the, in the fat studies world. Nice. Um, and so she's like a, you know, she's, she is a true activist, right? It's the, it's the, it's fat activism, right? It's the people that you want to be sort of like, who I encourage you to sort of like read what they're writing are fat activists, right? They're activists, they're political, they're ma- taking an active political stance, which is, you know, I do that to a certain extent, but like I'm a health coach, right? Like I use, I have an understanding and I have a, um, 
I have a perspective and a lens through which I do my work. I think everyone does. Like you do, you everything you do, you do through the lens of your politics to some extent, no matter what. Yeah. Right. Like you do through your social understanding, no matter what. But um, but I'm not out there like being an activist for a living. Like there's a group of women who are like they. That's their livelihood. Is like they're out there like fighting the fight of you know for like for weight for against weight discrimination and for people of all shapes and sizes to be treated with like the same like civil rights literally yeah which are now actually seriously being compromised in a lot of different areas um which is a whole nother really interesting conversation so virgie tovar is one of them um who else reagan chastain is very brilliant um she has very smart she's a researcher she was out there looking for the best diet she is a like literally like a science researcher who was like i am going to use my research skills to figure to find out which diet actually has the single best success rate mm-hmm. so that i could do that to lose weight and what she found was that there was like literally none there was like no diet that existed that had any clinical evidence of having a success rate beyond like three or four percent yeah. or something crazy um, and that's when she started reading, she got into health at every size and started researching how health at every size also is a, is a, um, a piece of literature that I think a lot of y'all will probably find really interesting. Uh, health at every size is a book of research by a woman named Linda Bacon, who, um, basically she studied obesity and weight and diet and food related behaviors for about 20 years. She had like a crazy amount of research crazy amount of evidence um, and sort of like clinical support that she actually wasn't looking to, to find, she wasn't doing the study for the purpose of finding these conclusions, but the conclusions of the study, she's a thin woman, the conclusions of the study happened to be that a person's weight didn't necessarily dictate their health status. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was like, you actually can be fat and healthy. Yeah. Just like you can be thin and unhealthy, right? Like exactly. She, she was the person who basically was like, there is some level of correlation, right? Meaning like if you're engaging in quote unquote unhealthful behaviors, you're like drinking soda all day long and like, you know, not taking care of your, you know, and just like eating shit. This is mainly, by the way, also this is largely a socioeconomic problem and has more to do with access to vegetables and fruits than anything else. Yeah. Um, but so that's a whole nother conversation. But basically she was like, she was like, there's some level of correlation between like unhealth and fat because there's a lot of a lot of the foods that people are eating that cause unhealth right or cause like blood sugar issues or whatever also are highly caloric but at the end of the day like if you're fat and eating healthful foods like you're a healthful person totally yeah Yeah, like um so that was like pretty groundbreaking shit uh because most people that is their that is our big national cultural defense for fat discrimination right now is the health argument, which uh, doesn't actually really seem to stand up to much science, which is really interesting. Um, but there's, you know, again, so much money in in the weight loss industry and so much money in uh, just the medical industry overall in maintaining this myth um, that this has kind of been like an uphill battle for a lot of researchers. But there's more and more researchers who are studying obesity. Like 
every like I feel like once a month there another book comes out by by some like PhD or some doctor or some medical researcher who was like oh that's so weird we just like found out that uh, actually you can be fat and healthy it's really strange <laughs> somebody come look at this yeah it's kind of like it's it's kind of like everything with nutrition science really is that <laughs> it's like oh no wait we were actually wrong about that <laughs> yeah that food's actually okay for you so um, yeah we'll just sweep that under the rug and move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really super interesting. And there's a lot of like, and this is where I think the fat, you know, fat activists and there's, you know, especially like academics writing this or saying some really interesting things. It's like, you can actually trace back in time in the past like 100 years or less when the medical, like it wasn't so long ago that like we actually thought fat was like a good thing for your health. Mm -hmm. And then like it turned at some point, right? Like medicine is not just straight fat. Like medicine is socially um, is socially influenced. Yep. Yep. Um, so like medical sociology is so fascinating to me because it's like, we are running around like thinking that like every, like if there's like a, you know, a study, then it's fact. And it's like, actually like statistics can be really skewed. And like, depending on who's like doing these, doing this research, like lots of things can be screwed up and, and oh yeah. my gosh yeah don't get me started on that <laughs> yeah. so anyway so you can we can actually pinpoint pretty much like down to a few like core political incidents and you know mainly having to do with insurance companies if if that's a shocker um where fat yeah. started to become really villainized and losing weight became a medical suggestion yeah uh, yeah. yeah. No, that's so interesting. And I, I just love that you brought that up. And I'll link to all those people in the show notes so that people have it too. Um, I do. Uh, I, I know we're starting to cut close on time, but I, I want to ask you one more thing. Um, yeah. uh, and then like wrap up with the final two questions that I wanted to ask you, but really quickly, like, because I think this is someone that uh, something that a lot of people struggle with is that they have to restrict foods for um for a specific reason. So maybe they have like major digestive troubles or like candida or, you know, food sensitivities or whatever. So yeah. they actually do have to control those foods. Yeah. Uh, I see this so often, you know, how do you find balance between, between those two things, you know, between, between, you know, letting things just be as they are and, you know, giving up control around food versus having to do it because, your body needs you to do it. Yeah, that's an awesome question. This is like one of my favorite questions of all time. So, um, <laughs> well, then I'm glad that I'm squeaking this a little longer. Yeah, I'm glad you that. Like, people, people are often really surprised to hear this, but I actually don't really eat gluten. Um, and that's because like when I eat gluten, like I get like a stomach ache and I have like some like digestive upsets. It's not the end of the world if I eat gluten, but like I've kind of like made a choice that like I'm going to try to avoid gluten like to the best of my ability because it like makes me sick. And also, like, I have some, like, history of, like, autoimmune diseases that may be linked to gluten. And I have reason to believe that if I, like, just was haphazardly eating gluten all the time, that, like, it may be detrimental to my health long term. Yeah. So people are, like, you know, I always think people are going to be surprised when they hear this. Um, but the thing is, is, like, your intentions and your motivations behind why you're cutting out certain foods is incredibly important. Because again, binge eating isn't necessarily about the intuitive eating versus the dieting versus the whatever. And I think that feeling sane around food is not about what choices you're making around food. It's about how you feel about the choices that you're making around food. Mm, yes. So 
like if I were to eat a piece of glue, if I were to eat, like go and have a piece of bread right now, I wouldn't feel guilty or ashamed. I'd just have a stomach ache. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong. Like there's nothing morally wrong with me having a piece of bread. It's just that the consequence of me having a piece of bread is that I'm going to have a stomach ache. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, that's it. Right? It's not it's a, the consequence of hating yourself and trying right? to get it all in, right? Right. Like, I'm actually allowed to have bread. I'm allowed to have gluten. It's just that I choose not to have gluten because it's going to make me feel like shit, not only in the short term, but possibly very sick in the long term. So I think, you know, again, it comes back to still prioritizing uh, wanting to ditch that the crazy obsession versus, you know, having to make choices from a place of love and because you care about your body. I think that when our motivation is clouded by a motivation to lose weight, shit gets very complicated. I, I, I think that... <laughs> that is the headline. Yeah. <laughs> I've ever like heard it better summed up. <laughs> exactly. Like I really feel like it is very difficult to make dis- health decisions for health, in quotes, around food when you're also secretly hoping that those healthful decisions are going to make you thinner. Yes. You know, and I think that when we could, that's why it's so critically important that not only as individuals, but as a culture, we separate weight and health because in combining them, we've created a lot of unhealth, right? Like we have a lot of people who are like, oh shit, my doctor told me I need to lose 20 pounds. So I'm just going to keep smoking because when I don't smoke, I eat. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, well, what if we just told her that like she was allowed to eat, but just like to eat like the foods that are good for her, whatever, you know? So I think that it's, it's really when we are, when you're, when you're making healthful, healthful in quotes decisions, when you're making decisions for pure health, um, and it's like complicated by this like desire to lose weight. I think that's where shit gets murky. So I think that a lot of the decisions to like just make choices for health tend to settle down on their own when you're clear that you're not making those decisions for weight. And also you don't give a shit about your weight in the process. And I, so I'll give you an example just like, so I think this is important. When I gave up gluten, I was eating tons of gluten-free shit. Like when I first gave up gluten, I was just like going to like gluten-free bakeries and I would just like buy like three gluten-free muffins and like sit down and eat them. I hear you. (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure that I did end up gaining weight temporarily when I first uh, gave up gluten because I was definitely like, I was definitely uh, compensating for giving up some of my favorite foods by like running to bakeries and like buying, like I still had a little bit of that rebellion deprivation shit in the beginning. Cause I was like a little bit nervous about like not being able to eat the foods I want. And I did have a little bit of that natural instinctive fear of deprivation going on when I gave up gluten. And I'm sure that I, re- you know, I rebelled with gluten-free shit a little bit. Right. And I like ate a bunch of gluten-free shit to like make me feel safer and make me feel like I wasn't going to deprive myself. And I'm sure I gained weight. But at the end of the day, like I made the decision that I was going to be okay gaining weight because like my health was more important. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I, I, knew, I knew that like I might rebel by giving up gluten and that I might gain weight if I gave up gluten because I might just want to go eat a bunch of gluten-free shit, which is actually what happened. But it was like 
I, I decided that giving up gluten was more important, like giving up gluten for my health, for health reasons. It was like, I was willing to gain weight for that. And I think that's also just for your sanity, really, as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your sanity was more important. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, don't be like when we start to get into the like, I'm making healthy choices and maybe this will help me lose weight in parentheses. That's, I think, when we start to like get a little bit, things get to start really get complicated. And I think that we need to like be making healthful choices with this like clear mantra and this clear understanding like my weight is not in my control all I can do is take care of my body to the best of my ability what happens to my weight is what happens to my weight is what happens to my weight I have no control over what my body chooses to show up as tomorrow all I can do is just treat her well awesome yeah I love it so now we have to actually do wrap things up. <laughs> okay, okay. The, okay. Two last questions for you. The, the, the one question I like to ask all of my guests is what is the most fearless thing that you have done? Ooh, um, honestly, the most fearless thing I ever did was decide that I wasn't going to control my food at all. Never, no matter what. <laughs> I love that you said that. I had somebody else on the, uh, Kristen Scott Dixon, which I don't know if you know her. She's amazing. I think it was episode number four, but she said something very similar. And I was just like, wow, that's so kick ass. Yeah. (laughs) Like how true is that? Like how fucking true? Like the most fearless thing I ever did was basically because what, because what I was really staring in the face at the time was my fear of maybe not being able to control how other people feel about me, right? Of maybe not everyone loving me because maybe not everyone would think that my body was perfect and gorgeous and whatever, right? Like I was staring, you know, I was, I was really staring the fear in the face of what if I gain weight? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. You know? And yeah. uh, I just decided, you know. Step into it. Step yeah. into the fear and yeah, get through was, it. This shit is so not worth it. Like, I can't. Like, at that point, I was like, my whole life has revolved around this thing. And that's, I don't see this ending any other way but then to just decide that I'm okay right now. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. So tell us about Stop Fighting Food because I got a preview of it, uh, of some of the videos, and I am really excited. Yay! Oh my gosh, I am so excited. Yeah, you should be. You should yeah. be. Yeah, <laughs> so Stop Fighting Food. So basically, so Stop Fighting Food kind of has two parts. So I created this video training series. It's a free video training series. You know, anyone who's listening to this who doesn't think I'm totally insane should go check it out. Um, uh, I think the link will be in the show notes, right, for Stop Fighting Food. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah. So the, so the free video training series is kind of like this introduction to my work. And it, you know, we talked a lot about like sort of like basic concepts around, you know, control around food. And I actually go into a little bit more depth and stop fighting food about, you know, basic concepts that people often, um, struggle with when they're transitioning into intuitive eating things like emotional eating versus binge eating. Like what causes these things? Like, why are these things happening? What do I do about them? You know, that's sort of like my, my forte is I talk about binge eating and emotional eating, um, a lot. And my just particular perspective on it is that it has a lot more to do with body image than people tend to think. Um, 
but there's a lot of other things involved with it and sort of, you know, again, go check it out. It's awesome. So that's sort of like a really, the video training series, the free video training series is just like, you know, a good introduction to my work for anyone who's interested in what I do. And then, um, there's also, I'm working on a stop fighting food masterclass right now, which is going to be released probably a week and a half or two weeks after the video trainings after today. Actually, I'm not sure like what the day is, but soon in the next like week or and a half or two, probably weeks. when this goes live, because this will be live in about a week. Okay. 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 So, um, yeah, exactly. So very soon thereafter, there's also uh, like a greater sort of program that I'm going to be launching around stop fighting food. That'll just go into like way more depth and, go into uh, some of the deeper, bigger questions that we kind of started to talk about today. So anyway, the point is Stop Fighting Food is this like awesome flagship program that I've created that talks about all of these ideas and goes into a lot more depth about um, how to really regain your sanity with food and uh, stop feeling like a crazy person, like rummaging through their cabinets, not being able to stop eating peanut butter out of jars. If that, if that's something that you relate to. Um, <laughs> yeah, which I think a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally, totally. And, you know, body image is a huge, huge part of that relinquishing control, a huge, huge part of that. So, you know, I think that, I think, unfortunately, there's so many women who are dealing with this. It's just a matter of spectrum. Like I often think about it. It's not really people who are and aren't dealing with it. It's like, where are you on the spectrum? You know, like, I think that's actually a really important distinction because, you know, you like you obviously use the word binge eating, binge eating a lot. And I think that uh, some people don't understand that, um, you know, that that is a spectrum and that it's not, uh, you know, like it's not necessarily like the like the clinical definition of the eating disorder I, I think right like am I well I have a very specific definition of the word binge eating which is not clinical at all which I literally just made up yeah do you want to uh, just like spell uh, we should probably should have spelled that at the beginning <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we should I was like that's the basic one we didn't even talk about binge eating like what's going on so basically binge eating is uh, you know is a reaction is, is a reaction to deprivation it's rebellion eating it's I fell off the diet. I might as well eat everything that isn't nailed down right now because tomorrow I'm going to get back on the diet and I won't be able to eat these things, right? So it's like, I'm not sure when I'm ever going to be able to eat a cookie again. So like, I need to eat all the stale cookies in the corporate kitchen right now because like they're there and I might not ever see one again. Like it's a reaction to dieting. Dieting mm -hmm. teaches us how to binge eat without dieting, without restriction, without judgment and shame around food, binge eating doesn't really exist at all. Yeah. Um, and binge eating, you know, and I talk about this definitely in the video series specifically, but binge eating, like you could binge, binge eating has nothing to do with volume of food. Binge eating has to do with the intention and the motivation behind it. Like if you're eating from a place of, oh shit, of a, in some sort of reaction to deprivation, either fear of future deprivation or, Conversely, I've been dieting and I've been keeping myself back from the cookies for so long. I can't fucking hold it any longer, and I'm just gonna dive into the cookies right now because I've been holding myself back for six weeks or whatever. You know, so it's fear of it's either a reaction to a current deprivation that's going on, or it's a reaction to a fear of future deprivation. Now, when we feel shame and judgment around food. Generally speaking, that triggers a fear of future deprivation because like when we feel fear and judgment and think that we did something wrong, immediately your body's like, oh, she's going to take it away. Mm -hmm. 
So it's like when we feel fear and judgment around food, that's like creates binge eating right there because it's like just by feeling fear and shame and guilt about something we eat, we start to fear the impending deprivation that historically has always come after feeling anxious and, and, and shameful and guilty about food. Yeah. So you got to get it in all now. Exactly. I think that, no, I, I'm really glad you said that. I, cause yeah. that was something we probably should have talked about yeah. <laughs> to clarify it right off the top. But Exactly. And binge eating is very different from emotional eating, right? Emotional eating is exactly what it sounds like. It's just like eating over feelings. It's just like, I'm bored. I'm going to have a cupcake. I'm sad. I'm lonely. This will ground me. You know, emotional eating is an entirely different beast. They often get confused, right? People, you say emotional eating and binge eating, like in, like in, they, they like just they get completely. intertwined, right? Exactly. Like, like yeah. they don't, people don't know the difference between emotional eating and binge eating. It's like when I ask people what's the difference between emotional eating and binge eating, they usually say, oh, binge eating is just eating more. Totally. Um, and it's like, no, that's not the difference, right? Like that's such an arbitrary difference. Like if it was just eating more, like that means like who defines that? Like who decides what more is? Like at what point does emotional eating become a binge, right? Like it's not, that's a bullshit definition. The difference between emotional eating and binge eating has to do with the cause. Yeah. Has to do with the, the intention or motive, you know, drive behind it. What's, what's creating it. Yeah. And the aftermath of the feelings, right? Like, I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah. Although a lot of people feel guilty and shameful when they eat emotionally and then it turns into a binge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah true. Very true. Yeah. No, I actually, uh, cause I know in one of the videos in the free, free training series, like you, you kind of spell out those differences. So definitely like to the people listening to this, check that out because your analogy is really, really good with that. And I love it. Thanks. Yay. Yeah. So that's the type of, that's the type of like stuff that you're going to get. That's the type of info I'm spewing in the video training series if you're interested. Yeah. It's pretty kick-ass. Like you, you rule pretty much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, um, yeah. So the, I, I will link to all the stuff in the show notes. So I think most of it probably can be found on isabelfoxandduke.com. I'm assuming. No, actually it's all stopfightingfood.com. Oh, okay. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> all the all the stop fighting food stuff is on stopfightingfood.com. Although my blog is on isabelfoxandduke.com, which is also like great information. But there there's we made a separate website for the stop fighting food extravaganza going on. So. Okay, perfect. Good. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad I clarified that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you'll you'll find it either way. But, but yeah, stop fighting food stuff's on stop fighting food. So there you go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of your time. I know we ran over a bit, but I just like I probably need to have you back sometime in the future because I feel like we could go on and on. Um, I think this will probably be one of the best episodes, but definitely, you know, definitely check out isabelfoxanddude.com and stopfightingfood.coxanddude.com. Again, launches Tuesday, September 16th, and you really 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 want to sign up for this it's so awesome so again that's stopfightingfood.com thank you so much for being here isabel it was fantastic so much thank you so much for having me summer this was awesome yes this was awesome i loved it and uh that's it so until next time rock on
If you enjoyed this episode, please head to iTunes and leave me a review. I would be so grateful. And don't forget to head to summerthenutritionist.com or summerinanin.com to grab your free guide to rocking your bod with 10 missions to help you break up with the diet mentality and start loving your body today.